Welcome to this week's Making Sense of It All with Jesse Stakes. Technology has infiltrated all sectors of the U.S. economy in 2023, including the AEC space. Not familiar with the term? Well, neither was I until I met my guest today, Justin Nagel. Justin is part of the leadership team and the chief storyteller at Spot Migration. Justin and the team at Spot Migration focus on the intersection of people, process, and technology and how it comes together for their clients. Justin also co-hosts his own podcast, Building Scale, that helps bring resources and experts around the AEC space together. There's that term again, AEC. So without no further delay, here's my conversation with Justin Nagel, where he will properly explain the AEC space to me and all of my listeners. Let's jump into it. Justin, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here and I'm planning on bringing the energy. So don't worry about that, Jesse. Awesome. Then I'll lay back and I'll let you handle the load then today. So tell me (laughs) about Spot Migration. Tell me what you guys do. Absolutely. So Spot Migration, we are trying, our 10-year target here is to become the most trusted IT and cybersecurity company for the AEC space. We love everything that is technology uh, and scalability. We think scalability is a huge component of what we do. And, uh, Technology is just one of the arms of scalability is, is how we see it. Very cool. So I know most of my audience, including myself, is not going to know what the AEC space is. Can you share with us what that means? Absolutely. So anybody that's building anything, the built world, as somebody, some people call it, but architects, engineers, and construction, that's what the initials stand for. So when you think of, uh, hey, a commercial building's got to go in, or even a, a home's got to go in, somebody's got to design it, somebody's got to make sure that it's actually going to be able to stand up, and then somebody's got to actually do the hard work and build it. Uh, we service that space. That's our our bread and butter We've uh, found that uh, people that are building things, swinging hammers, just relate to us, even though we're, we're tech guys, right? We're, we're just tech people, but we just relate to them. We're, we're very blue collar-esque. If, if you can see the video here, I'm a dude that wears a backwards hat. That's pretty consistent with the vibe that we have. Um, but yeah, that's, that's who we are. So how did you get them to where you guys focused on that space? It's not, you know, like you said, technology and blue collar industries don't necessarily marry up, but there's there's a definite need in today's world. But what motivated that? So there's a few things. One, uh, we just started like looking through our client base and saying like, well, who who do we really love and who really loves us? Like, you know, and trying yes. to say like, okay, is there some commonality? And we kept seeing like, man, like people that are in that space just really, they really adore us. And it's not to say that we never had a client outside of that space that like this, but like, we just really resonate. I think we just kind of speak the same language. We think about uh, things very similarly. And then, you know, we dove down deep once we decided, hey, we need to go to a niche. We actually need to be niched because, uh, or niches, because, you know, niche, riches in the niches, as they say. Um, when we decided that, it was like full steam ahead. We obviously started the podcast that's specifically for that as well. Um, you know, we looked at the softwares that they use. So building those things out, it just made more sense to be able to scale for us. Uh, because if you're trying to service everyone in, in the world, or even just in America, right, or even just Chicago, if you're trying to service everybody, you're probably getting a more watered down version of that just because you're not a true, um, you're not truly diving down deep into, uh, for us, it's it's the built world, right? It's anybody that's building things. Um, and I think that that's, that's one, one way that we found that it was just 
very important. And then they're just behind on technology. So there's also a open, you know, more of a blue ocean, you know, a bluer ocean, I, sure. I would say that, hey, if, if their technology is just behind, because realistically, they just got burnt on technology about 20 years ago. And then they all just said, we're not doing this anymore. We're, we're totally just going back to swinging hammers, not thinking about it. Um, but now they're realizing like, that's not the way to be efficient. That's it's super hard to scale. Um, and, you know, you just need technology to effectively operate any business at this point uh, in this day and age. So uh, when we saw that, hey, it's a blue ocean and they like us, that was just the natural, okay, let's let's uh, attack this and, and do it up. Do you find that there is, there's different needs? I know you're saying like kind of focusing on it, but do you find that there's different technological needs in, in the kind of the blue collar space that there, than there are in white collar, white collar industries? Yeah. So, inter so interesting enough, when you take uh, A, E, and C, right? Like A and E are more technology focused, right? They just had have to have CAD drawings. They have to have sure. more software that exists. Construction, on the other hand, hasn't necessarily had had to have a construction management software. There are plenty that do, and those that have scaled certainly understand the value of it. But like, it's been a, a place where they've been able to get away with it. Like, they just haven't needed it. In comparison, if you took like a, a law firm per se, if you aren't actually using technology, like you're, you, it's, it's difficult to do your job. Whereas a construction, sure. it's like, I can pick up the phone and call somebody to try to get a new uh, bid out. I can also, you know, uh, swing a hammer and build a uh, build a house or build a building without technology per se. But again, it's it becomes this, oh, well, if I want to scale and I want to actually do this at a much, you know, larger ability, you know, just kind of grow my business, like that has been the place that we found that the sweet spot is, oh, yeah, well, you just need to start adding in technology because maybe you're using a server that's 10 years old and you're, it's just like crawling and it's like, well, yeah, but like you're losing all these efficiencies that are just little like paper cuts. It's like death by a thousand paper cuts. And I think that that is the difference with that industry where it's just been able to kind of hang on there because of the deliverable is so hands-on in comparison to somebody that's in a white collar situation. It's just, you have to have technology, like nobody operates without it. Well, and I think to your point, I mean, most of that, most of that industry, you're, you're building a, you're building your product for somebody as well. Uh -huh. And so you got to, you have to talk to each other. You've got to be able to meet each other on common ground. And there's not many businesses in today's world that, that operate with a telephone and a handshake anymore. Most, most contracts, most everything is being sent remotely. They're being, they're being signed with DocuSign or they're being signed on Adobe or something. If you're, if you're out of that space, or if you don't know how to handle yourself within that space, you're you know, you're, you're almost relegated to just be somebody's subcontractor. You can't even go out and, and chase your own contracts at this point. Yeah. It's, it's super interesting when you get the, the general contractor to GC and the subcontractor, or what we like to call them as trade partners and not call them sub because, you know, they're, they're just as important part of the process. But when we think about that relationship is, yeah, like they're, it's, it is the scale component. Like, can I, do use more technology to interface with the clients and then interface with those uh, trade partners as well, right? So that's the way that you're able to, you know, take that handshake, you know, deals and actually make them um, more fluid as well as like, when we think of uh, like change orders in the industry, it's like, that is just a lot of paperwork that goes back and forth. And when you remove paper and you add in technology, things get, they go faster um, you you uh, eliminate the errors and things like that, and then rework, which is a huge problem in the industry because of poor communication. When you're allowed to use technology to push it through, it just makes things a lot more smooth. So 
before I, I want to dive into all of this, but before we do, I'd love to take a step back and learn more about you, Justin. Is that fair? Sure. Oh yeah. So, I... so tell me a little bit, how did you, you know, I mean, to get into the technology business, was it something that you always wanted to do? Was it something that you grew, you kind of went through school saying, this is what I want to do, or did you fall into it? What did that look like? So for me, I, my game plan was to become super cop. So originally from Chicago, uh, I had an uncle that was a, a sheriff, uh, Cook County Sheriff. And I it was like, I want to help people. That's what I want to do. So I went to school at Arizona State, uh, got myself a criminology and criminal justice degree, uh, and I was going to be super cop. That was the game plan. Little did I know in 2010 that there weren't going to be many job openings for that particular role. You had a recession happening from the, the housing crash and everything happening. So I moved back to Chicago saying, hey, I'll, I'll find a job and we'll do that. Uh, I started actually working in a law firm, uh, which is like, hey, I'm just going to do this until I become super cop. Uh, and then I, I was pretty smart. I kept kind of going up the ranks at a law firm and saying, like, he started as a clerk and now let's do records and then let's do conflicts. And now let's talk about HR and let's do marketing and biz dev and technology stuff. So there's always been a little bit of technology that's kind of string through uh, my career. Even when I was at school, I worked in the tech lab there uh, for my first two years. So it's like it's been there. It's not been the, oh, I want to be a, an engineer, a technical engineer by any means. Sure. But it was always like be around technology, like just be around it. Um, and then uh, after my uh, stint of seven years at a law firm, I got snatched up uh, by Spot Migration, which was amazing. They they saw my deflatedness of of trying to do marketing and biz dev at a law firm when you're not an attorney, and and that sucks. I'm just gonna be very blunt about that. But what do you um, do? Yeah, no, they, they, it's it's just not the best if you're trying to be a marketer and try to do real biz dev at a law firm when you do not have a law degree. It is a very difficult position to be in. So if anybody listening is in that, I've been there, uh, you know, not saying leave your company, but like there are better opportunities when it comes to marketing and business development out there. Um, tech space is great. So Will and Kasha, I, they were friends of mine. Uh, they were looking for just help with ads. That was the original uh, thought. They're like, hey, we'll just, you know, do this side thing. Um, it was like, okay, great. Like, totally. And then two weeks after that, they're like, wow, you're not a dummy. Like, we totally should hire you full on. And I was like, great, <laughs> wonderful. Uh, and then about a year, year and a half after that, um, we started doing EOS. I became part of the, the leadership team. Uh, and uh, it's that's history is, is that. And now now we're on full growth mode. We've started a podcast since then. We've, we've grown significantly since then. And uh, life is good uh, across the board. Very cool. Like, well, and you can tell you're passionate about what you do. I mean, it, it, it just bleeds through you. So I can't even I can't even believe you do. Like, I, I couldn't imagine you doing something that you didn't care about. Uh, for me, it's all it's all about being purposeful and impactful. Uh, this is just me, and I'll tout this all day, every day, forever until I cash out in fifty plus years. Hopefully, um, <laughs> it is all about being purpose driven. You need to actually look in, in what you want to do in life, and then attack it because that's the only way you're going to have the most amount of impact on the world. Uh, that goes for any business. So when we think about businesses and that are not just looking at profit and looking at the bottom line, but you're actually trying to have a bigger impact. Those are the businesses that actually grow more because like you have a lot more of the why figured out. Like if, if you hear like the how, the what and the why, if you get that why figured out, you just you you energize everybody in your company. And that's the thing that's beautiful. Uh, I, I mentioned EOS, uh, Entrepreneur's Operating System. That for us, it, you know, allowed us to really hone in that vision and, and look at 10 years down the road and say, OK, who do we want to be 10 years from now? Let's let's every day put a step a little bit closer to that every day. 
every quarter, every year, three year, all that. Um, and it's been amazing. It's uh, a wild ride. You know, we went through the pandemic, which was interesting for lots of different reasons. Um, but yeah, it, everything is still, you know, we're still growing. We're still doing uh, all the right things. And, and we're just always super energized and excited to, to help out businesses. Well, and I'll tell you, passion's infectious as well. People want to do business with people that care about what they do. I mean, they, they you know, you come across as more believable. You come across as someone who cares about the, the, the prospect or the client that you're sitting in front of, rather than just being kind of emotion, you know, kind of dead inside and an emotionalist. I think people just don't respond to that well. I uh, couldn't agree more. It's it's actually really funny. Uh, more recently, something that we've implemented in. So like when we, we get any lead in, right? Like it's just like, hey, we want to like, you know, show that we're different when we do all these things. Um, when I get a lead in and uh, I, I create a video and I say, hey, I want to, I'm so happy that you're going to, we're going to meet and all these things. And I, I go all through it. I've gotten a lot of feedback that says, you can't possibly be this happy. And I'm like, no, really, I'm, this is just <laughs> it. Like you get what you get. I'm, I'm sorry if it's like intimidating about the bubbliness of me, but it's totally it. Um, I even, uh, self, you know, subconscious about this, like even writing like emails and I'm like, I use a lot of exclamation points. I don't like, I don't know, but that's just how I am. Like I'm, I'm just that person. And I remember Kasha at one point said like, well, are you being genuine? Like, are you being true to you? And I'm like, yeah, that's just how I would say it. And she's like, well, then keep doing it. Like, don't don't worry about it because that's just you. And if somebody's upset about it, they're probably not the best fit for us because this is the this is the vibe we have. A- Amen to Kasha. And I don't I haven't even met Kasha, but I agree with her completely. So you met you've mentioned it a couple of times, and I'd love to talk about it right now. You guys you guys started a podcast, I believe. What was it last year? Yeah, so uh, January of 2021 or 2022. Yeah, that's right, 2022. Yeah, so it's been a okay. year and a half, a little over a year and a half now. So what's the title of it? Building Scale, uh, which is us uh, focusing on the AEC space. And we essentially interview awesome leaders uh, to answer how they built scale uh, using people, process, and technology. We started the podcast because we were like getting all these questions from AEC companies that we were working with that said, hey, like I have a process problem or hey, I have like a people problem. And we didn't really have a good way to answer that. Like we can handle the tech part, the tech pillar. That's not a problem. But like when we started getting to like, how do I like energize my tradesmen or how do I like, you know, run a better uh, safety toolbox set, right? Like something like that. It was like, we don't have those answers. So it was like, how about we just create a podcast, get the people that know all these answers, interview them, learn a crap ton, and then just be able to kind of give that back to the industry that's been good to us. So that was the, that's the thought. I had no idea how fulfilling it was going to be. Like we thought, hey, cool, this will be great marketing. There'll be, you know, we'll get some street cred. That's all great and wonderful. But like now it's like, oh no, this is the most fulfilling thing we do. Like it's unbelievable. The stories we hear, how open people are, and as well as just like getting to learn so much about the industry that we, you know, we're, we're in. So it's been really awesome. No doubt. Well, and I, you know, I've I've done a show myself for four years, and I and that's one of the coolest things to me too. I didn't realize how passionate I would become about it, but it's amazing when you start to see how much people know, how much they're willing to give back, and how open they want to be when you give them a platform. I think it's awesome as well. Yeah, I, I just um, if you don't, if you're listening and you don't run a podcast, start doing it. It's a lot of work. I'm not going to lie to you. There's a lot of work to it, but like. It's it gives you the opportunity to speak to people that maybe you wouldn't have that opportunity. And uh, I think that's the thing, collaboration. Like when we talk about how do you go from good to great, 
it's about bringing others with you on the journey. And like the only way you do that is is networking out and, and getting to know more people and, and hearing more stories. Like my title at Spot is the chief storyteller. Um, that's both for external. So you think about marketing and things like that, the podcast, but then also internally, right? So like for us internally, it's it's telling our message, telling our journey and like breaking down the vision to like the day-to-day stuff. So it's been um, amazing for me because I'm a, I'm a story nerd, I'm a total story nerd. Uh, I get too jazzed up about everybody's story, um, but it's super genuine. I just like, I'll hear something. I'm like, that's amazing. Like, it's a thing that I haven't experienced and you have, and I, I'm just all in on it. And I'm down to talk for far too long. It, it actually, it probably hurts productivity, but nonetheless, I'm, I'm all about it. <laughs> No doubt. Well, that's amazing. And it's it's really cool that you guys do it. And I think it's a, you know, it's nice to be able to create a collection of resources for people that are your customers. I mean, because to your point, they're not just looking for your services, they look for services throughout their whole industry. So if you can connect them with people, then you just become that much more of a trusted resource to them. You know, talking about that and talking about the industries that you service right now, what do you see as, you know, kind of the the immediate, the immediate need or the immediate um hole that needs to be filled for most of your customers because of the last three years. I mean, things that have, everyone always says, oh, COVID did this, COVID did that. Yes, it did. But, you know, we are moving past it, but it definitely created a demand for certain things that didn't exist before. What are you seeing right now in that, you know, that that commercial construction space that didn't exist prior to COVID? So a few few things that I, it's very blaring, you know, it's just like so glaringly obvious to us is um, communication, right? So communication has historically been an issue in the construction space. Like it's just not been good. And we we mentioned that a little bit earlier. Um, So like that only magnified when you had all these people, like say a project manager working from home, right? Like that wasn't maybe going to the job site every time and these things. So like there was the change management aspect that has happened in those last three years of saying like, if we want to get great people, they may want to stay home or have a hybrid schedule and things like that. And like, how do you work through that? Because if you already weren't great at communication, how do you then make it, you know, become any sure. better if you remove the, you know, one-to-one person interaction? Um, so that's, that's a big thing that uh, the industry is just kind of going through and kind of like churning through how, how does this happen? Because it's busy, like people in the commercial construction space, it's busy. Like I know everybody's oh, yeah. like, oh, nobody's nobody's uh, trying to rent commercial spaces in downtown places. But like around me, I'm I'm in Phoenix or Mesa, Arizona. Around me, there's probably like five billion dollars worth of commercial going up. So like it's it, people are building stuff. Like it's still happening. Same thing in Nashville. Same thing. Uh, we've seen pretty much all the South is 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 just completely booming. Uh, to your point, maybe yeah, I live in throw- Florida. It's I mean we we have seen such an explosion of multifamily and of yep. you know commercial construction. Uh, it's amazing. I mean, it's if you're in the construction business and if you're not working, it's because you don't want to be. Yep, I I would totally agree. The other big thing, and this is something that we were harping before three years ago, before the pandemic, is cybersecurity. So for construction, it is they're always in the top five most attacked types of companies, and that's simply because there's so much money moving around. Um, like you got a lot of different trades, you got a lot of suppliers, you got all these things. So they're just easier targets. Also, they haven't put the time in to do like, hey, this is cyber training. Like everybody does safety training and like that, that makes sense. And like, I think we've gotten to a good place, you know, across the across the industry of saying like, we all do safety training. We're We're very conscientious about it. It's really important. I think that this next step here is like, well, now you have to kind of do digital safety training. Like you have to make sure that your people are being smart about it because you know, margins are small in the space. Like it's just, they're, they're not huge. So like 
losing any dollar amount to somebody that's just you know being a thief effectively um is is gonna kill kill a project and if not you know possibly you know kill the business which is also problematic um and they're just being attacked at a really really high rate i mean all companies during the pandemic saw an uptick in cyber attacks but like construction it's just like yeah, you, and it, it's easier things like just do simple cyber training. Like just that would sure. help you significantly, and that's not a huge price point. Um, that's more of like, hey, like you just have to, you know, do something, keep consistent, and then you know, just do it, just like you do safety training. Just be consistent with it, and people they they get it. It's not rocket science to not click on a bad link, but you know, they can be tricked. It's just what it is. No doubt. I mean, I agree with you 100%, especially if you're not a person who's on a computer all the time. And if you are mm-hmm. if you are someone who is, you know, who gravitates towards more blue collar work and being outside, and that's just what you prefer to do. And then all of a sudden, you're looking at an email that looks like it came from your wife or from your coworker, and it's not really them. And if you're not trained to look at what that, you know, what that email address actually is, or that it's a phishing attempt or any of that stuff, then I agree with you completely. I mean, I'm in the banking industry, we have to look at that stuff all the time. Um, it's, you know, fraud, fraud is one of the biggest expenses, the the biggest line items on our budget is to protect against fraud. Um, that being said, can you give the audience just some examples or at least one big example of what you see as fraud in the, in the, in the construction business or in the construction world right now from a digital perspective? Oh yeah. A thousand percent. So, uh, like I said, there's a lot of suppliers, a lot of trades, right. That you're working with as say you're a general contractor. What will happen is is a bad actor will effectively take a domain that is almost identical. You change a L to a capital I, or you change you know you change a, a S out for a Z. You, ch- you change something really simple, or add an S at the end of it. Something so simple that it looks just like the email. They they essentially will send you what looks exactly like the uh, payment information, and maybe they swap out the the routing number, or maybe it's a bill that never happened. But the problem is, is it looks identical of what what it should look like what you've paid multiple times over and over to that same supplier but then you later find out that oh actually we sent that money overseas somewhere or oh we you know we cut a check to somebody that was not part of this business that's what you see all the time and that's simple to one there there's email pieces like actual software that you can put in place that'll help with that and then it's training and having a process and we talk about people process technology Having a true process in place that says, like, just because I've paid this person before doesn't mean I don't go through the checklist and say, does the email uh, line up? Is is the behavior in the email odd in any way? Right. You know, like any weirdness whatsoever. Does it feel right? Like a lot of things can just be like, well, that seems odd, but it's from the right email. So it should be good. Because even if they didn't have a wrong email, like and they just hacked into that other company and then started sending messages out like they could be doing it that way as well, right? So it's like, you got to check a lot of different boxes when it comes to it and having a true process in place that for your, say your accounting team, it says like, hey, go through this every time we send money anywhere, um, no matter what. And if there's ever a time that you're getting an email from like the CEO that says you need to, you know, get uh, gift cards for somebody that it just seems really odd. It's like, no, like this is, this is total a hoax. Don't do this. i always get, confirmation. A lot of times phone calls, that's a big one. Um, So like you call them, don't let them call you because they can spoof a number. So that's another place where they'll send an email. And a lot of times you have to have, you know, actual vocal, like, you know, a second form of uh, identification. So they will call you from a, a bad actor will call you from a bad 
you know, from a spoof number and say, hey, I just sent you this email. I just wanted to get the confirmation because I know you guys do it this way. And you think, oh, that's great. You've done my job for me. I don't have to worry about calling you. Yeah, I can totally verify this. Let me shoot the money out. And they're doing that. So like they're to the level, depending on the dollar amount, that they're going way above and beyond than just shooting out, hey, I'm a prince in a different uh, you know, country that wants sure. to give you uh, $13 million, right? Like that, that's the way of the old, even though it apparently still works because those emails still go out regularly, which is fascinating to me. But they're they're way more advanced. And as AI has gotten better, you think about chat GBT, um, the language that's in the email is also getting a lot better. Before it was like, oh, this is spelled wrong. This doesn't make any sense. This is grammarly, like, like grammatically wrong. That's being solved just simply by automation and AI. So like, don't just trust it. Like this email sounds legit. So I guess it's good. Right. Well, and like I said, being in banking, we see it all the time where wire fraud, where people are trying to get you to send a wire to the wrong place or to your point, once it's out of the United States, it's very difficult to get that back Uh, from the, you know, from a banking, from an institutional perspective, the banking industry always tries to do a a two-part authentication when you are wiring money to make sure that we are not making a mistake on our side. But one of the things that has become a fear from the financial perspective is the fact that now you can spoof voices as well. So I might think I'm talking to Justin on the phone. And if I'm not careful about what the phone number is, did I call him or did he call me? All of those things matter. And it's only going to like not to scare everybody from, you know, that's listening to this. But, you know. If we don't take personal responsibility over the over our own funds and how our funds are being distributed out, then nobody else is going to do it for us. To your point, the best thing in the world that we can do for our staffs is make sure that they are well-trained and that they understand all of the potential pitfalls so that they can't, you know, so that we have the, you know, the the best chance not to fall in them because they're only getting more more plentiful. The the, the you know, the people that are out there, the bad actors, as you say. You know, those people, they're doing this all day, every day. They're doing it thousands. I mean, they're not just touching you. They're touching thousands and thousands of businesses because if they get one hit, it's success to them. So is this something that you and your company also help prevent with your customers? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, It's actually interesting that you mentioned the uh, voice verification um, and like how that can be spoofed and things like that. One of the things that we implemented in this was probably three or four years ago, anytime that we have a client that puts in a ticket, right? So like, hey, like I need to um, change a password. I need to do whatever it is. We have uh, our system. Our process is our engineers are going to call you, right? So call that number. uh, And then you're going to have to verify via a second form of verification, which is a text message to your specific cell phone. All right. So like for us, we are going above and beyond because a lot of times uh, these bad actors, what they were doing was like, hey, I need to change my password because I can't get into my email. I'm the CEO of ABC Construction, right? And then it was like, oh, you know, like an engineer is like, oh, crap, let me, I got to, I got to, yeah, you're the CEO. I don't want to be the, ba- I don't want to get fired right. because I didn't help the client, right? But the problem is, is if a bad actor got in there and did the same thing, like you don't know what they sound like. You have no concept of what, you know, like they they sound like or any of these things. So there's no way to to verify that. So then we implemented what's called ID2020, which we uh, then have this second part of the process where it's like, I can't help you. I Like the system won't let me help you unless you give me that verification to save not only us, right? But also for the client saying like, hey, 
like there's just too much about cybersecurity that's on on the table that we are not going to we're not going to stand for. We took a big stand about being cybersecurity focused. It's one of our like three uh three big deliverables what makes us unique is we are an IT company uh historically, but we take cybersecurity to the next level. That's a thing that we now have been offering for about 5 years by itself separately uh and we just keep every year it keeps upping 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 because it keeps changing. Uh, so yeah, we we can do cybersecurity for a company by themselves, or we can do all of their IT in general. I think you almost have to in today's world because if you're not because if you took a client on without providing cybersecurity, you're setting yourself up for a negative experience with the client because of, they are going to get attacked. It's almost it's just a guarantee in today's world. Um, as you know, again, going back to banking, as far as that goes, I mean, again, that's the, that's the largest line item that we have in our business clients. I mean, we, we, when they take on treasury services or anything else, we almost insist upon them utilizing cybersecurity because it is, if not, they're setting themselves up for failure. And it's very, it's very different when you're a business versus just a, an individual person. You don't have all of the the government protections and the FDIC protections mm-hmm. um, that an individual, that an individual does. You have a lot more personal responsibility on the business side than you do on the personal side. So um, that being said, I think it's great what you guys do. I think it's a tremendous service and it's necessary. Um Kind of to flip to something positive. I mean, because I know that that's you <laughs> know, we're talking be about scary. the it's, it's it shouldn't be scary because you should. Yeah, it's just part of doing business, right? Like, hey, absolutely. Like, it's it's you you gotta you gotta take care of the things that that prop you up, and that's just kind of where it is. You know, you gotta have a building. You gotta you know absolutely you gotta, service lines. There's costs of doing business. That's effectively what it is. It's it infrastructure. If yeah, exactly. If you just choose not to do it, though the 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 tax man or the 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 bad actor <laughs> tax man will come like there's no question about it and that's a lot more expensive than whatever your fees are <laughs> thousand percent it's unbelievable um the havoc because like even if uh shutting down a business like say if i could take you offline for a week or two weeks like the impact that has on a business client retention like paying your people to not be actually be productive like there's there's so much money that goes into this that people just don't think of that soft cost loss um that happens that it's it's un, unfathomable uh the, it's, the it's reputational risk it's reputational risk as soon as your customers hear that you've been hacked they're afraid to do business with you Yep. No matter what industry it is anymore, because it's such a because it does have such a negative connotation. Oh yeah. All right. So let's get something more positive here. In the next five years, so I know I don't think you have a crystal ball, but what do you see as kind of the things that are happening within you know within the within the trade sector within you know within those things? What do you see that's come kind of on the horizon that people can look forward to? I think uh, when we think of uh, metrics driven automation. That's going to be big. Uh, some of the big companies we've talked to are already playing with this idea. And when I say that, I mean like, hey, like when you're bidding out a project, you get a lot more detailed into where you can like pull things down and up and around just based on data that and like AI is effectively being able to help you with. As you mm-hmm. push more of your data into one place, all of these you know learning language models are able to really... Um, digest it and then give you a better solution to how you bid something out. And when these companies start doing this, it's going to like, it's going to be astronomical for those companies because they're going to get way more projects just simply because they know, Hey, I can be profitable at the level I want to on projects that maybe if I looked at it on the outside, I wouldn't think so. But once I start getting more data points, it's going to be huge. It's going to be massive for bidding uh, as well as, um, 
I think AI is is gonna like everybody jokes where it's like an AI can't build a building, and I I concur, right? I concur that that's that today is true. Twenty I years from now, bricks. robots maybe uh, maybe doing it. Like that might be the case, which I'm I, that's not a, a shot at the trades by any means. I still think humans are going to be super crucially important to it. But I just think that like that's how it works. Like you just start taking data, and then once you have the answers to it, it's a lot easier to build things off of that that are just smart, right? It's it's all about right. making smart decisions in business. And I think that data into analytics and with AI's use, like that's going to be the place where you're going to see companies that really invest in that are going to go through the moon. Like I think that that's going to be the big differentiator for those companies that kind of stay that small little tiny shop in comparison to those that really, really grow. So I get that was my next question is, do you feel like the use of technology, data and analytics, does it allow the smaller companies to compete better with the larger companies or does it make the smaller companies essentially, you know, a dinosaur because they can't compete as far as that technology? I believe that smaller companies like because it's not like AI hasn't existed, right? It's like now everybody talks about it because of JetGPT. This has been around. Like the AI has existed. I mean, the algorithm for it Google just took a big leap forward. Yeah, it just it's just more accessible. I, I feel like, mm -hmm. and I think that that, and even with Microsoft and all the stuff that Microsoft's doing, like I think that it's just so much more accessible that it should benefit smaller companies. Like that's right. that's my belief. My belief that a smaller company that says, "Hey, I need to actually start thinking about this, start investing in it." And if you're paying for Microsoft licensing, you probably already have some of this that's just there. You're just not utilizing um, sure. using automation like Power Automate and things like that, where it's like, hey, when a change order comes in, I want you know uh, it to go to these three people for sign off, and then it goes back out to the job site. So then you know the foreman knows it, and all these things like these things can start being automated. And it's not this isn't rocket science. This is just like who does it have to go to? Oh, it has to go to accounting. It has to go to the, the project manager, then it has to go to accounting, then it's going to go back to the project manager, then back to the foreman. That can all be automated. Like that process right. in itself can just be automated. And you're not breaking the bank to do this. It's not like you're having to buy the biggest and best, you know, uh, construction management system or anything like that. It's it's really like, hey, Microsoft will just allow you to do this already. Um, and they're effectively trying to take over the world and, and every piece of software uh, imaginable. There's probably like, I would say probably, you know, thousands of little apps that they have that people just don't know about, like time tracking, things like that. This is already built into the license that you're already paying for. Right. Well, and I, I think to your point, it's what I have seen as far as technology allows that, you know, it reminds me of the old cartoon of the dogs. Like you'd see this huge shadow up on the wall of this big dog walking through an alley. And then all of a sudden it would zoom in on this cartoon of this little tiny teacup Yorkie. And it's, but that's what a technology has allowed smaller businesses to do that I've seen. It allows them to project themselves to the world with a much bigger voice and a much bigger shadow than what they have to be as far as the actual physical footprint of the company. Um, it's, it's really cool. I think, I think it's tremendous. And I think if they embrace it and if they learn to utilize it and take advantage of it, they can grow their company leaps and bounds revenue and profitability wise without adding all of those bodies that the larger companies already have. Justin, oh, yeah. I've really, I've enjoyed our conversation. And I think that, you know, I think the service that you and your company provide is tremendous. If my audience members are interested in talking with you or learning more about what you do, where can they find you? 
So spotmigration.com. So that's an easy way to get in contact with the company. For me, I'm a LinkedIn-aholic. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Justin Nagel, N-E-A-G-L-E. I'm very active. Uh, I like to talk to everybody. As I said earlier, I'm, uh, I'm a lover of stories. So even if it's not related to IT or construction, love to meet with you, love to talk with you, and love to just kind of keep growing as a human being overall. And if people are interested in listening to Building Scale, where can they find it? So every podcast uh, platform we are on effectively, but uh, buildingscale.net, that's also the the website. So if you want to go there, um, you can also go to spotmigration.com slash building dash scale. So like those are lots of different ways to get to the podcast. But if you just type in building scale on Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, any of them, you'll find us. My beautiful cool. faces on it. It's hard to miss. Me and Will <laughs> are our beautiful faces. So. Very cool. Again, I want to thank you for joining me and I look forward to talking to you again soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Well, as you could probably tell, that was a lot of fun and I enjoyed the conversation with Justin. If you are in the AEC space or if you would like to learn more about it, join the boys for their show, Building Scale. Justin's also a great follow on LinkedIn and Spot Migration does tremendous work for their clients. Cybersecurity is a must in today's world. And if you don't have a guy in that area for your business, and if you're, an in the, if you're in the construction trades, engineering, or architecture, give Justin Nagel a shout. They might be your guy that you need. That's going to be a wrap for me today. I'll catch you guys next time.